Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode, we're going to talk about the concept of boundaries in relation to the Supergirl characters, because the most recent episode of Supergirl, episode three of season five, titled Blurred Lines, featured this as the main theme. Yeah. So this kind of issue with boundaries between characters, either in terms of their interpersonal relationships or sometimes even like physical space that they share with each other, Mm -hmm. has come up throughout the series. But this is probably the first time they've really explicitly called attention to it and showcased where some characters are maybe stronger at this sense of setting limits on themselves or others or like where certain characters vulnerabilities are Mm. and why and it was kind of funny when they announced the list of the episode titles because i saw blurred lines and i was like why did they pick that (laughs) because the first thing i thought of was that awful robin thick song that has like super date rapey overtones that is also called Blurred Lines that came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But after seeing the episode, I'm like, maybe I was supposed to have that association <laughs> with it because uh, it dealt with some of the same like morally uncomfortable issues. Mm-hmm. The timing of it was actually really funny because Pharrell Williams, who wrote the song, just gave an interview last week where he brought up the song unprompted and talked about his own learning process on recognizing how his behavior impacts other people that was very relevant actually to this episode in particular but also to this kind of broader like boundaries theme Mm. and pointing out when the song came out he defended it because it was his work but then over time and talking to people about it recognized that oh it doesn't matter that like I didn't take it that way and that I don't think that way about how I treat women but it matters how other people's emotions are being affected by what I did. Mm. And that just was really striking to me because this episode raises that same point where it doesn't necessarily matter what your intentions are. Like, there's a reason the expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, exists. (laughs) In this episode, we saw a lot of examples of characters who maybe had really good intentions for doing what they were doing, but it still had a negative effect on other people's lives, Mm -hmm. even if maybe the character didn't mean it that way. Yeah. And we specifically saw it in relation to the concept of boundaries and people crossing their own moral boundaries or or pushing them or breaching other people's boundaries that they've set up. Yeah. And the other part about it that was kind of intriguing was that Lena established back in the season premiere that her philosophy in developing her technology is do no harm. Like that's the place that she's coming from. (laughs) But from everything we've seen thus far, that may be her intention, but it is not the effect of her actions. She is actively harming other people. So we'll have to come back to that again. (laughs) Indeed. So the boundaries question has been really interesting because we've had this issue throughout the show, particularly in the early seasons with Kara, with Alex, with Jean, of like, what are personal boundaries? Why do they exist? And like, what function do they serve? And in real life, people will sometimes get touchy about this too. Like when a person says like, hey, maybe don't do this thing or like, I'm cool with this, but not this. Sometimes that takes people aback a little bit because you're not used to having those open conversations because a lot of the time boundaries between people in social relationships are implied. <laughs> but boundaries serve a couple of really useful functions in our day-to-day lives. Number one, we can't understand 
understand what boundaries are without also understanding that you as a person are a distinct individual separate from like everyone around you. And this is something that develops when you're very young recognizing that like you're not an attachment of of your caregiver you are a separate person or that your caregiver is an attachment of you <laughs> yes that also but the other thing is it's kind of a relationship that goes both ways because you can't understand yourself as a person unless you interact socially with other people which was why actually john's flashback in this episode with his brother was fascinating mm. in how malefic couldn't experience that exchange of thoughts or social interaction with others and therefore he was kind of an outcast and then he emotionally was disconnected from the other kids and the rest of his family. Yeah, there was a bit more of a boundary than maybe he would have liked. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was clearly something that was like really problematic for everyone else in that culture because they were so used to being socially connected to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's important too because physical and emotional boundaries between people are a basic requirement of functioning in society. You can't have interactions with people that don't operate by some form of rules, ultimately. And they serve a purpose. They help us maintain our own integrity, so like our full understanding of ourself. Um, and they also help us avoid harm, whether it's emotional harm or physical harm. Yeah. So in this episode, Blurred Lines, we got the cue about what the theme of the episode was pretty early on with Kelly. She was talking to a vendor and was like walking away and saying, the next time your sister asks you to babysit, just say no. Remember, boundaries. And Alex is like, speaking of boundaries, do you even know that woman? Right. <laughs> She's like, I just met her. Why? But that was actually a really fun exchange because it really summed up them as people mm -hmm. in a way that was also sort of reminiscent of like, Alex will look at Kara when she has conversations with strangers sometimes and be like, what are you doing? Why did you tell the lady at the bakery that you're an alien, even if you were joking? <laughs> <laughs> it was a very Kara energy, like open boundaries type situation. And they introduced the theme in classic Supergirl fashion by saying it loudly within the first five minutes of uh -huh. the episode. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> true to form, here we are. Thanks for letting us know what our topic is for the podcast this week, guys. <laughs> But it was also like really interesting the way they presented it. Yeah. And then throughout the episode, obviously it continues with the character. She ends up treating who she thinks is her friend, his PTSD, which is not something that a psychologist should do. Yeah. Not even a little. Like, and she's actually said that before in other episodes about like respecting that boundary as a professional mm -hmm. of not yeah. treating someone she is close to because that's unethical and you're trained not to do that. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> An important boundary for that profession. We saw her talk about, like, I can help you this one time by giving professional advice to Alex. And then, like, she referred James to somebody who didn't, like, sit him down and treat him and be like, let's figure out your PTSD situation. Yeah. But I think it makes sense in terms of her character, what we've seen so far, in that there was pressure in terms of helping someone. Mm. And from what we know of her so far, that's kind of what drives her actions and her profession and even her initial character dynamic with Alex had elements of that. Well, and also she, from what we know of her, tends to respond to her own stress by like wanting to help other people, hmm. which is also a thing Alex will do sometimes. Yeah. 
So that could get interesting. Yeah. But I did appreciate that she made this decision in a context where it was really obvious that it was the wrong decision. Yeah. That it was crossing that boundary that this isn't okay professionally, which had been something that we were eyeing because having a therapist in this group of characters, there's an urge to be like, help them. (laughs) But then there's that level of like, that's not healthy for that. For anyone involved. No. (laughs) Well, and the other reason I think maybe too that she considered it was to kind of parallel Kara's story with Lena. This was what she thought was a friend from her time in the military and someone she hadn't reconnected with in a while. Mm. And they came saying like, oh, I really need help with this deep emotional problem. Can you help me? Interesting. Meanwhile, it was also just interesting to me the way they set that up, given that Alex kind of warns Kelly at the start of the episode, like, hey, we know this shapeshifter is (laughs) targeting you. Can you maybe take that into consideration when you're interacting with people? Like, put up a little bit more of a defense, a boundary with other people just until Mm. we know that this is safe. And then Kelly thinks nothing of the fact that this friend she hasn't seen in person in like two years showed up at her place of work the first week she's working there when presumably she hasn't really mentioned to too many people that that's where she is. Yeah. And it didn't flag any warnings in her mind. Well, I think that sort of tracks with like why Alex was... Yeah. Has some reasonable stress. She was so stressed out about it. Yeah. (laughs) But it also, I think, that makes sense in terms of Kelly being like, yeah, sure, stranger on the street with a vendor, I'll give you advice because she might expect people to kind of come to her for this sort of thing more often than the average person. But Kelly was a nice sort of cue-in to the theme that we're discussing in this episode. But in looking at the other characters of Supergirl, it's worth sort of dissecting the different kinds of boundaries within relationships. One is what kind of behavior you're willing to accept from others. So like what kind of behavior you'll tolerate Mm -hmm. that maybe like you might enjoy or you might not, but you have like a limit in your brain. Yes. What you're willing to do for others, like actions favors type thing like but then also emotional labor and then like giving them emotional space in that aspect of a relationship so it's not just literal let me go pick something up for you but also putting in time and listening to people and how much of that you're willing to do and then there's how intimate you're willing to be with others and this isn't just physical either right no yeah. It's like how much you'll share of yourself, how much you're willing to sort of feel for others, like how much empathy you're willing to like let yourself feel. Oh, so like emotional energy you'll like devote to people? Yeah. Like putting yourself in other people's shoes type thing or like someone else is suffering, therefore I feel badly. Mm. And then obviously physical touch, which can be romantic, but also platonic yeah. and that aspect of intimacy. And I really like that you had this laid out because another issue with people setting boundaries is that oftentimes they're implicit, meaning like they just happen naturally and you don't really articulate them until there's a problem. Hmm. And what we've seen through the first three episodes of this season is interpersonal relationships where some of the characters are recognizing like, oh, this isn't working right in a way that's maybe making me uncomfortable or making the other person uncomfortable. And then trying to figure out how to have those conversations and clear things up in like a healthy way. Yeah. Usually. Except in one case, which we will talk about (laughs) in a lot of detail. Yes, we will. (laughs) Um, So the first 
first character that we're going to take a gander at is Kara. Kara is willing to do a lot for others in terms of boundaries. You will go to Earth and look after your baby cousin (laughs) and then become a hero to an alien race. (laughs) Exactly. You're 13. It's fine. Um, (laughs) You're old enough. Those are your social expectations. You must live up to them. Yes. And so we've well established, the show has and the podcast, that Kara feels responsibility for the physical and emotional well-being of like most of the people around her. And obviously this has led to her like becoming a superhero. But beyond that, like we see some smaller scale examples like solving your friend's murder. <laughs> um, <laughs> As a 15-year-old. Like. <laughs> but then like vowing to find his telescope because she sees that his parents are upset about it and wants to make things a little bit better for them and like takes that upon herself to figure out where this missing telescope is and and the first episode of season five taking her neighbor's dog to the vet you can look at any episode probably and see an example but her sense of responsibility drives where she draws her boundary lines. Like generally, we'll see that she'll draw them where she thinks will benefit other people and her relationships with others. Like it's unlikely that she'll go against her morals for others or like go that far. Although she can be convinced to change what she thinks is moral. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> it happens. But like something that we see in this episode and have talked about a lot before, also with Alex, is that that rules are not necessarily an active element of Kara's morality. Yeah. And like we've talked about how she isn't necessarily emblematic of Superman's motto, truth, justice, in the American way, because she's more concerned with, you know, hope, help and compassion for people mm-hmm. than she is stuff like institutions and, and the justice system. And in this episode, Blurred Lines, we see Kara break into Fort Summit to get some journals for Lee because she thinks that they'll make Lena feel better. And also just absconds with one of the other items in the box while she's at it. Also true. (laughs) So that isn't very far away from what we usually see for Kara. In what sense, though? Just Kara's history of being willing to break the rules to help her loved ones and and Mm. do what she thinks is right outside of, like, whatever maybe someone in a position of authority is saying or whatever laws there are. (laughs) True. Actually, yeah, that goes all the way back to, like, literally her decision in the pilot. (laughs) Yeah. And then Alex is like, never do that again. Kara's like, joke's on you. Joke's on you. (laughs) But specifically in this episode, Kara is willing to do something that she knows on one level is wrong in order to help Lena because of the way Lena approached her about it. Yeah. Even though after the fact, she's like, "Mm, this doesn't sit right with me, but I did promise and it'll make her feel better. Yeah. And then afterwards, when she gives her the journals, Lena's like, knowing full well that she has, she says, I hope we haven't crossed any boundaries. And that Kara felt uncomfortable about it or that she was pushing what Supergirl would be willing to do. And then Kara's like, no, for a friend like you, there are no boundaries. And we will talk about (laughs) whether or not that is healthy within this podcast episode. Uh, Full (laughs) disclosure, the answer is no. Yes. But it's interesting seeing that in this episode within the context of Kara kind of learning like maybe I do have to write articles I don't care about because in season four with like corruption and xenophobia displayed within the government in the storyline something that Kara was very closely aware of that pushed Kara and Alex to break the rules a lot a lot more than usual <laughs> yes 
in order to follow their hearts or like what they think is right. And then this season, interestingly, so far, seems to be kind of exploring the idea from the other end, situations in which the rules are actually the safest or smartest option. And then maybe even if you can't see why they are in the moment, kind of going back to your idea of unintended consequences. Mm. But it's interesting, you know, in relation to season four and also what we're seeing here, because Alex will frequently function as the first person to be like, okay, but maybe we should obey the law or like play by the rules. <laughs> and she's kind of historically served that function, even if you go back to some of their very earliest flashback episodes together when they're still like itty bitties. Kara's mm-hmm. totally ready to go sneak out on the roof and fly all over the place. And Alex is like, uh, mom and dad said no. Maybe this is a bad idea. Yeah. But then it's interesting because, you know, we know by season four, it's well established between them that Alex will totally totally break the rules for her loved ones. Yes. Or because of what she thinks is right. She's just the more... She's more cautious about it up front. Mm-hmm. Well, it also depends on, like, why. And Alex's advice to Kara in this episode when she can see that Kara is conflicted and feeling guilty about it is actually sort of reminiscent of the point that she made to Kara back in 219 when she was kidnapped, which is that Kara particularly as Supergirl shouldn't give in to things like that that imply that Supergirl can be bought or controlled or blackmailed Mm. in some way. And she says, she flat out says to Kara, you cannot open yourself up to that ever because this is too important. And And that is essentially what Kara is doing right now because she thinks she's doing something in the service of a friend and doesn't realize that maybe there's more going on there. Yeah. And isn't connecting it to compromising what Supergirl stands for or anything like that. Yeah. Well, because she's under the impression that Lena will keep the secret and she doesn't know how close she's already come to that not happening. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that example in the episode in season two is interesting because we see Kara have a very clear line that she does not cross because she believes Alex and believes that reasoning. Whereas when Kara is unsure what the right thing to do is, then her boundaries are more easily pushed. (laughs) Well, and it also helps that it's coming from someone she thinks of as a friend as opposed to like a terrorist (laughs) that she went to middle school with. Also Uh. true. (laughs) So we've established that Kara will do a lot in terms of actions for her loved ones or for... Or complete strangers. Or complete strangers. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that also applies in terms of emotional labor and emotional space, which is a concept that intersects with the idea of boundaries in terms of how intimate you're willing to be. So with Kara, we see the sort of infamous example that you and I <laughs> reference frequently of her writing a letter to Cat Grant's son, Adam, pretending to be Cat in order to repair their relationship. Definitely violates some uh, employee-employer boundaries a little (laughs) in terms of privacy and also like being way outside of Kara's job description. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But with Kat and Kara, Alex had said interestingly in terms of how Kara feels about like what she should be doing and how she should be meddling in Kat's life. If Kat's upset, you know that's her problem. And then Kara says, her problems are my problems. Which makes a lot of sense because as Kat's assistant, Kara is often on the receiving end of her mood. Mm -hmm. And so she will try to like mitigate things that might be problems that will then make her work life more difficult. Yeah. But then as we see with the letter, Kara goes above and beyond. Um, A little bit. (laughs) 
In true Kara fashion. In true Kara fashion. And Alex says to her after her problems are my problems, you need boundaries. So it's been here all along. Yes. The skill that we need to see these characters work on. <laughs> yes. And Kara, like, obviously writing that letter is not strictly legal. And... Like you said, it's not a step an employee would usually take, not only for the reasons you mentioned, but like they're also not that close. <laughs> Whereas like maybe that would be more permissible in, um, I don't know, Car and Alex's relationship. <laughs> oh, no. Now I'm just picturing like hijinks. Hijinks. Car is sort of stepping over the boundary where Kat would be comfortable in terms of Kara acting on her behalf. But it ends up working out for Kat and Kara because it brings Adam to Kat and they can begin to mend their relationship. And that breach of Kat's emotional wall being effective is what kind of nudges Kat to open up a little bit more. And then when Adam is there, she lets Kara kind of help her and meddle in their relationship in a way that I don't think would have flown before. <laughs> no. Nice pun. <laughs> but then, you know, after Kat's son leaves, Kat is hurt by that and then pushes Kara away and reestablishes those boundaries. And Kara very much does not like it. No. It's very upsetting for her and in a way that is very visibly in her reaction tied to Kara's feelings of abandonment. It was an episode in which she had just broken up with Adam. Kat wanted to break their relationship they had built up over the episodes in season one. I think James and Lucy were like together and Kara felt very lonely. And that was just before the Black Mercy episode. So Kara, we can see that her character kind of pushes these boundaries in order to connect with people because of the events that formed her in her life. And then in terms of Kara and physical boundaries <laughs> that people may set up, we have seen throughout the series that those are not obstacles to her and she will frequently ignore them mm -hmm. when she chooses. Yes. Like in this episode when she finds the spider lady and just invites herself in with her sassy little attitude. Mm -hmm. It's like, I invited myself. What about it? And that quite reminded me of in relation to like intimacy and how close you want to be with someone and how much you let other people in. Kara forcing her way into Alex's home, <laughs> which is the way that Alex had phrased it when Alex was upset about Maggie rejecting her in season two. And she talks about it later. She says, and then you force your way into my home, wrapped your arms around me, and then you said, I'm proud of you. And with Alex's character, we also see Kara in some other like little instances kind of coax Alex into opening up, which is something Eliza also has to do. Like when Kara kind of got Alex to sit and talk with her about how Kara reacted to Alex coming out. And you could see on Alex's face that she was like, I want to be out of here. And that's sort of a formative relationship in terms of Kara and other people's boundaries. Because Kara looks at Alex and sees that she sometimes needs help opening up. And then Kara moves on to other relationships. And that experience added on to Kara's already intense like Gryffindor, I'm going to willpower my way through any obstacles I see. Energy forms Kara into the kind of person who will push people outside of their comfort zone in terms of intimacy. And it's interesting because in season two, when Kara realizes that Alex hadn't opened up to her about being gay beforehand, that she didn't give her enough emotional space to like talk about how she was feeling. And then Kara meets Lena Luther and puts in all this like extra effort to be close to her and and like give her space to be the one to talk about her problems and her life and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
And then that sort of just continues on that way for the rest of their relationship as we've seen it with a couple like exceptions, like in season three when Kara was depressed and Lena was like, you're depressed. Um, <laughs> you're upset about something. Well, and also that time that she thought Kara was sick and she came over to like mm-hmm. bring her chicken Although soup. Although she also came over to talk about her and problems. Oh, right. She came over to ask her advice about herself as well. <laughs> and that's sort of like what Lena is used to in the relationship dynamic as well. And then, you know, Lena grows more dependent on that emotional space and the emotional labor that Kara is putting out and sees Kara as sort of like a beacon of hope in terms of interpersonal relationships. And like, it can work. <laughs> hope. <laughs> And then Kara feels a lot of pressure, understandably, to be like the perfect friend along with the perfect superhero. And she does not, on her end, let Lena in very much. She doesn't reciprocate a need for emotional support in the way that Lena has shown. And Kara talks about how her secret played a role in that when she's stressed about it in season three. But it's interesting with Kara in that she will definitely push other people out of their comfort zone in terms of intimacy and like letting her in emotionally. Mm. But then it's a different story when it comes to her and like not in all cases, but in relation to negative emotions, Mm -hmm. she frequently draws a boundary around those feelings because they are in her head more like burdensome emotions for others. Like in season three, we obviously saw the extreme version where Kara's like, I'm not going to feel any sad emotions because she was like, if I'm broken, then like, how am I supposed to help people and wouldn't let Alex in or anyone in emotionally to actually address how she was feeling until Alex in turn sort of started breaching the boundaries that Kara had put up over the past months Mm. and against Jean's advice was like, no, we have to talk about this, even though you don't want to. And that tendency of Kara's was commented on by Eliza in the Midvale episode when she said, you have the most wide open heart in the world for other people, but when you feel weak, you punish yourself for it. And then there are also just little moments that we kind of consistently see that I found to be interesting. A lot of them are acting choices, which is fun. In season three, when James is talking about how he would like to come out as Guardian, but he understands like why Kara doesn't want to. And he says, I know it takes its toll. And she smiles and laughs awkwardly. And then in season four, Nia and Kara are talking and Kara mentions how Alex's mind was wiped and Nia puts her hand on Kara's shoulder to comfort her. And Kara like laughs and shrugs it off a little bit and then immediately like reframes the situation positively and then also to benefit Nia's situation and kind of be like, here's insight on what you're going through based on what I have gone through. And that's frequently how we'll see Kara open up emotionally to people. Like she'll talk about something she's sad about or discuss her trauma, but in ways that are framed to give other people advice. For instance, with Lena, we've seen. And then it's just a very trademark Kara thing to sort of be sad about something something and having a giant smile like in season two when she feels abandoned by Alex because she was doing something else for her Earth birthday and Kara also smiles a lot to cover when she's frustrated with mixed results. Yeah, so all of those things made for a very interesting conflict then in this episode with Lena mm-hmm. because of kind of how you've said like Kara's very closed off about her own life, even separate from maybe the secret part about being Supergirl. 
And she's very accommodating of Lena and Lena's needs, which now that Lena's maybe not feeling so kindly towards Kara becomes very easy to take advantage of. Yeah. Going back to our, our boundary issues. And Lena is an interesting character to try to deal with because she has had very poor role models in life on uh, how to handle relationships with other people for the most part. Yes. With Lena, it's interesting in terms of boundaries and what you're willing to do because we have seen that her sort of like language of love <laughs> yes. is using her power or her status and her wealth in order to help her loved ones like for instance buying Kako, having that giant statue built <laughs> yes buying clothes for james and like planning a trip for them to go on and because lena wields this status and power that she has and wealth it can lead to some questionable situations wait questionable like how for instance with Kako, she bought it for a friend and then there's some uncomfortableness in terms of Elcorp owning Kako and lena getting positive press mm, true something that we are seeing addressed directly with Andrea Rojas in this season, season five, and how she's using it to promote her VR technology. And it's interesting because she like makes sure that her tracks are covered in terms of the law, something that we saw she can do pretty well in the scene in the DEO in season three when they're like, mm -hmm. so you had Sam in your basement. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what's wrong with that? <laughs> but then in terms of the law, she will break it for those she loves, but then also just for her own plans. It's unlikely to be a big boundary for her to cross to begin with. Yeah, and some of that is in large part because of how cavalier her entire family is <laughs> about rules. Like Lex was in a maximum security prison that he would just leave whenever he felt like it to go to other countries. Yes. So Luthers don't really think the law applies to them. Hmm. And then, interestingly, both in terms of the law and then boundaries within a relationship, she crosses both of them with James when she uses her connections to make sure that James isn't imprisoned for acting as guardian. And then also she crosses a boundary in taking action on James's behalf and making decisions for him. Yeah, that go explicitly against what he said he wanted her to do exactly. like to her face. Yes. And that is an example of setting a boundary mm -hmm. that that when you're in a romantic relationship, you expect the other person to stick to mm -hmm. because it doesn't seem like a big ask to be like, don't break the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, after Lena confesses to this, James initially is like, you cross this boundary and therefore I'm not comfortable in this relationship anymore. He says, if that's what you think love is, I'm not sure if I want any part of that. Kind of establishing that, okay, I set up a boundary. You knew about it. You were aware and then you did it anyway and then you kept it a secret and that's not what I want for me in my relationship. And it's interesting because Lena as a character would not feel comfortable herself if she were in James's shoes. No, she definitely wouldn't because she's told us that. Yes, and particularly because it reminds her of Lillian. <laughs> Lena said in season three, Supergirl went behind my back and used my personal relationships against me. That's something my mother would do. She crossed a line. I can never trust her again. And then we hear about how Lillian paid Lena's middle school boyfriend $14,000 to never speak to her again. <laughs> yeah. And we see Lillian try to kill Edge and make that decision to help Lena. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's it's very interesting. Like Lena is very quick to jump on people for violating her own personal boundaries because of this emotional abuse that she has experienced and the fact that Lillian was controlling. Mm-hmm. But then Lena is not necessarily recognizing that it's a problem when she starts doing that to other people in the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then in terms of Lena's own personal boundaries and the behavior that she's willing to accept from others, we see that particularly when she is in a more unhealthy state, recently traumatized, for example, she is extremely not okay with feeling judged by her loved ones and definitely not okay with secrecy. Mm-hmm. And then once that boundary is crossed for her, it's done and over. And in terms of other sorts of interpersonal boundaries in relation to Lena, the boundary of how intimate you're willing to be with others, Lena's emotional boundaries are alternately too intense and then like not existent. <laughs> like in terms of the boundaries being too strong, she isn't willing to go to therapy because you know, she says, you know how private of a person I am. She doesn't even like exploring feelings with herself. <laughs> yeah, she has her little boxes, a boundary of their own. And she has this history of keeping secrets that we've seen build up over the seasons because she doesn't think that people will react the way that she wants them to. She feels too sort of emotionally vulnerable to let anyone cross that boundary because if they did strike in any way, she doesn't think that she could handle it. And then on the other end of the spectrum in terms of intimacy, we've seen her be very willing to tell Kara like all of her feelings. And kind of frame it in this way where it's like she's giving Kara the gift of her feelings Hmm. and then Kara is responsible (laughs) for managing them and ensuring Lena's continued mental well-being. Yeah. Like, here are my boxes. Could you please maintain them? Water them once a week. Which, like, Kara is strong, so that's a good choice. (laughs) But it's not her job to do that. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have people who care about you and care about your feelings, but it's better to be able to manage your own boxes on occasion. And then this reminds me of Brainy's all or nothing mentality that we saw referenced in this episode, how he's like, I have to be at 100% or nothing. For Lena, this tendency results from interpersonal trauma. And then for Brainy, it's a different situation where it's due to like a combination of neurodivergence. And I think in terms of this episode, recent trauma in endangered during Nia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That does actually then sort of make his extreme overreactions make more sense. <laughs> and then in terms of extremes for Lena, she expects Carr to tell her everything from now on. I think if Lena were in a healthier headspace, she might still say something similar in terms of if you want me to trust you, you need to tell me things like more elaborately. Mm-hmm. But I think she would have also taken the step to acknowledge Kara's feelings. Yes. Which in this she did not do. No. And she definitely has like hints of like her other agenda when she's like, there can be no more secrets between us. I have to be in on everything. And so that is pretty clearly not a healthy dynamic. No. Lena essentially manipulating Kara and using the fact that Kara feels guilty and then just using Kara's love for Lena and sympathy for her to push Kara's boundaries and see how far she's willing to go for Lena's purposes and without regard for Kara's well-being. Mm. And, you know, that's curious for a couple reasons. One, the fact that Lena knows how Kara will feel and knows that she can manipulate how Kara will feel. And two, the fact that Kara feels so guilty and 
knows that even if Lena says she's fine, she probably isn't, Hmm. speaks to the fact that they both understand that this has been an imbalanced power relationship as far as their friendship goes the whole Hmm. time. Because it's very different from, like, let's say, Kara getting into a fight with Alex or James or Wynn even. Yeah. I mean, any of the characters have had conflicts with each other where both of them end up coming to each other like, okay, I kind of get where you were coming from. Yeah. Well, if you look at, for example, that scene that you mentioned, the confrontation in the season three premiere where Alex finally stops following Jean's advice to leave Kara alone and comes and pushes her buttons, even though she knows Kara doesn't want her to. Neither one of them says particularly nice things to each other in that scene and in that moment because they're both angry they're both hurt with each other Mm -hmm. but neither one of them is afraid that at the end of the day they're like gonna never speak to each other again and neither one of them feels like they need to grovel or do something special to make up for it after the fact Mm -hmm. and that's the biggest difference of looking at Kara in a relationship where she knows that she is emotionally secure to be herself and one where she's not yes I think a lot of that has to do with Lena's boundaries not only in terms of right now her secrecy and and lying about how hurt she feels. But in terms of intimacy and how willing you are to let yourself feel empathy or sympathy for other people, Mm. Lena doesn't feel secure enough in herself and her own self-worth to open herself up to empathizing with Kara. And we've seen this several times throughout the series where Lena's so much on the defense that it's up to Kara, on the other hand, to fix the situation and reach all the way over in order to mend things. Yeah, even when she shouldn't have to. Yes. And the other thing that was very striking about it, now that I'm thinking about the kind of interaction between Kara and Lena in this episode again, is Lena has actually achieved all of the things that Lex wanted to achieve with Red Daughter (laughs) in terms of conditioning Kara to do, in theory, what she wants. That hurts me personally. I mean, it's hurtful, but knowing that Lex is going to reappear again later on with the crossover, spoiler if you didn't know that, (laughs) uh, it was implied in the finale. But Lex, it never worked because he never genuinely forged an emotional connection to Red Daughter because his inherent hatred of Kryptonians was always in the way. And also he's a sociopath who has no feelings for anyone. Uh, (laughs) But Lena is succeeding where he failed because that relationship was genuine. Mm -hmm. And I joked to you, but like this was seriously a feeling I had watching the scene where Lena is guilt tripping Kara to get her to go steal those journals. All I kept thinking about was the press briefing that Trump did with the Ukrainian representative where he turns to him and was like, I didn't tell you you had to do this, did I? And the other guy's like, no. (laughs) Uh, But but it's that same kind of narrative. It's like, well, I never told you you explicitly had to do this in order to continue to have my love. I just asked you nicely, repeatedly, (laughs) while implying that if you didn't do it, there would be a negative consequence. Yeah. It had that energy to it. Like, I hate that I had the thought because I hate thinking about the current (laughs) state of the world. (laughs) But something I think is neat about this dynamic in terms of emotional growth for the characters, obviously on Lena's end is the fact that she needs to feel secure enough in herself that she can atone for anything that occurs. And on Kara's end, 
as we've discussed, she has struggled with boundaries and putting them up with regard to feeling responsibility for others and how she feels like she needs to be Supergirl all the time. Like in the conversation I referenced earlier with regard to Kat and Kara being like, her problems are my problems. She also says, when someone needs help, I'll help them. And Alex is like, I get that as Supergirl, but Kara, you don't need to save everyone all the time. And Wynn in season one says the same thing when he mm. expresses to Kara that she's allowed to be annoyed at Siobhan. Right. She's not Supergirl right now. She can have like a negative emotion about something. And I think this would be a good opportunity for her to make some headway and emotional growth in terms of her like savior complex. And then on like a lighter note, but not exactly. (laughs) We had one example of boundary issues within a romantic relationship. We saw it a little bit with Alex and Kelly, but that wasn't a focal point in this episode. It will definitely come up again because Alex and boundaries is like a whole other. (laughs) Yes. A thing we'll probably revisit in a romantic context at some point. But we did see Nia and Brainy as a really clear articulation again of this theme of how do you decide how much you want to share of yourself with others? How do you decide how much you're able to tolerate of the behavior others put at you? Yeah. In this episode, we saw that the constant stream of poetry and attention and like Brady basically voicing his thoughts and poetry form nonstop became like too much for Nia and crossed her like personal boundaries in terms of how much you want to interact with a person and the way that you want to interact with them and how much space you want them to take up in your brain and being able to, I don't know, focus on other things. Yeah, well, especially when you saw like she was distracted when she went to meet with Jean because Brainy was texting her and she says that he texts me every hour. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously also then going to like disrupt her at work. Or it's the first thing that happens when she wakes up in the morning. It's maybe like the last thing that happens before she goes to sleep. Yeah. It's funny though, because both of them are kind of doing the same thing in terms of maybe doing more than they should for the other person. Ah. Because Nia is suppressing what she wants in order to try to be kind of attentive to Brainy. And then, you know, obviously, on the other hand, we had Brainy trying to shower her with affection. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is they're both kind of figuring out how to negotiate all of this kind of conflict and potential incompatibility. But like Brainy, much like with Kara in this episode, is acting out of a place of anxiety Hmm. in some respects because Nia has liked him long before he started showing up at her house with breakfast burritos (laughs) and writing sonnets every hour of the day. But he's so worried about acquiring all this data about like the things that she likes so he can kind of follow a script of performing all of those things that he's lost sight of the fact that she was okay with him the way he was yes and we've heard him say it a lot that he doesn't understand why nia likes him there's Mm. a lot of insecurity there yeah and so brainy's overcompensating and nia is trying to be nice and like not not hurt his feelings feelings. yeah and then she ends up kind of blurting it out it's also important though going back to this conversation about intentions versus the effect you have on people she recognizes that his intentions are wonderful Mm -hmm. and doesn't want to like seem like she doesn't appreciate them but then reaches a point where she snaps (laughs) yes (laughs) it's well beyond like her boundaries and where she's comfortable and she says it pretty bluntly and then kind of tries to backpedal and be like it's also sweet it's 
it's just too much. But I think in terms of Brainy and how I think that his head works, like if Nia had more time and had decided and planned out maybe bringing this up and addressing boundaries, it would be probably a better plan to be very specific about her boundaries. Yeah, like in micro level detail. (laughs) Yes, because we saw in the last episode that Brainy was okay with stopping sending her food at her workplace, you know, because she explained why she didn't want that. So being like, hearing poetry constantly makes it hard for me to focus would probably have been more effective and maybe less hurtful to Brainy in his head. Or saying like, between these times of day, I need to focus on other things. So please save your ardent admiration (laughs) for these particular specific times and maybe days of the week. (laughs) Yeah. And then from there, they can establish like when exceptions make sense and stuff like that. But Brainy heard like no more food, no more poems, no more anything. And and it sounded like a rejection entirely. Yes. Even though she tried to say like, it's so sweet. It's just, I can't handle this. Although we do see a nice example of boundary crossing in their interactions in this episode mm. when Nia is a nightmare about Jean and Malefic. Yeah. Her first instinct is to not tell Brady what happened, what's troubling her. And Brainy sort of gently prods her, like, you can tell me anything and, and tries to get her to go a little bit outside of her comfort zone in a way that was beneficial for her in terms of making that decision and then also good for their relationship. So there are layers and levels with regard to boundaries. Yeah. And then that kind of came around at the very end where she's like, do you still want me to be honest with you? Mm-hmm. And then that ended up obviously hurting him, but that's definitely not the last that we've seen of this particular exploration of that relationship. So there'll be more. Hopefully there will be some processing on Brainy's end. And- uh-huh. Data <laughs> processing. What a good choice of words. Yes. And Nia basically decides to tell him the truth and then they can deal with it, which is a contrast with a decision that we find out that another character made in the past in this episode. <laughs> oh, Jean. Oh, Space Dad. But I do appreciate appreciate that we got an answer to a question we raised when we did our Jean characterization mm. episode back during the hiatus last year, which is, uh, is this level of secrecy a general Martian <laughs> thing or a Jean thing? And now we know for sure <laughs> that the answer is it's a Jean it's a thing. Jean thing. <laughs> so in terms of boundaries and Jean, <laughs> this is something we've talked about a lot, actually, with him. He is willing to do a lot for others in somewhat questionable ways. Yes. His uh, his sense of ethics is clearly not bound by Earth's rules, <laughs> to put it tactfully. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of something that John has struggled with. And we saw that a lot, like last season. Mm. But we've seen that he's done lots of things that are morally questionable for the right reasons. Like when he <laughs> shapeshifts into Allura in Midvale in the flashback and uses that as a tool to sort of emotionally manipulate Kara for her benefit to get her to stop uh-huh. risking her life and her sister's life. And then in season two, he shapeshifts into Jeremiah in order to trick Alex and see whether or not she's sort of fit for her DEO duties or if she's like emotionally compromised or would be if Jeremiah said the right thing. And then they have like an agreement after that, Alex and Jean, like let's stop doing the wrong things for the right reasons. And then, like I said, last season, season four, Jean tried to create boundaries based on what his father said regarding Mm. what he should do morally 
And then he wanted to like not have to cross them in order to help the people that he loves. But then it was like, but I want to help the people that I love. Yeah, especially when we got into the second part of the season where Colonel Haley found out about Kara mm. and then Alex <laughs> punched her in the face. Yes. Uh, but even as far back as like when Kara fell out of the sky because of the kryptonite. Oh, yeah, true. And like during that season, he crossed the boundaries that he had set up for himself morally repeatedly. And then eventually he came to the conclusion that those boundaries weren't right for him and kind of re-established what he's willing to do for his loved ones by the end of the season and coming into this season. But then those established boundaries are sort of threatened by a revelation that he has about himself and his past. Yeah, that was fascinating. Yeah. That was actually really cool. Number one, we got a little baby Jean flashback, <laughs> yes. which that wasn't something I had really ever anticipated seeing. So A, awesome for that. B, that means we got more Carl Lumbly. Uh -huh. Which is always delightful, Space Grandpa. But the most tragic Space Grandpa right. story ever. <laughs> I mean, we can't have <laughs> Carl Lumbly on Supergirl without us crying. <laughs> Apparently. It's true. Yeah. You know, we found out Jean has a brother and what Jean's brother had done hurt Marin so deeply. And Marin obviously blamed himself for who Malefic had become. And so Jean wipes Marin's memory of Malefic and apparently the whole hive mind. Yeah. Well, because he kind of is like, oh, no, people will know that I did it. I have to remove my own memory of doing mm. it. And then it will be erased from everyone's existence. Yeah. And so he does this without anyone's consent. <laughs> Which then is interesting on a subconscious level of why he feels so strongly about mm. altering people's memories. And also, remember in season one, the first few times he did it, he was afraid of what he would do to people. Yeah, nice. I like it. That is interesting. Hmm. But yeah, we've we've seen quite a few times the idea of Martian mind powers in relation to consent and how that's kind of the important part and John B sort of tortured over how he uses his powers across the seasons. And here he has this great regret because like a it's not just a law it's a like moral imperative that he feels very deeply the idea that erasing someone from everyone's memories is as good as killing them or worse mm. and then he says with regard to you know his positive intentions and trying to help marin that rather than finding the strength to lift marin up he crossed a line that's unforgivable in his culture yeah and this concept of the strength to lift a loved one up rather than crossing a boundary is interesting in terms of Car and Lena and maybe is a lesson that Car could learn in terms of like finding another way to help your loved ones. It's true. And then the other takeaway from all of this stuff with Jean is that he also imposes his own sense of secrecy on Nia in a way mm -hmm. that was actually very reminiscent of what he did with Alex when he revealed that he was a Martian to her in season one and said that she couldn't tell anyone. So on the one hand, it's like great that Nia has been added into the fam. <laughs> But on the other hand, to go back to Alex's point to Jean, can we please stop making bad decisions <laughs> that we already know are going to hurt everybody mm. in the long run? Yeah. It's interesting because we've seen also in terms of Jean and like continuity for his character, him 
be more willing to be emotionally intimate with other people. We've seen Jean grow over the course of the seasons to become more emotionally open and share his feelings, also share his history with the Danvers sisters specifically. And then now we see Jean feel so much shame for what he had done that he decides to lie to Alex and Kara, sort of pushing his boundaries further out than they had been before and like kind of reversing some of the progress to a degree that he had made over the years. Yeah. Which is something that, you know, may be hurtful for the Danvers sisters or just generally may have some consequences. It will. Although I do kind of like that they've created this conflict for him because it reminded me a little bit of like Allura and Astra's conflict particularly where you had one sibling responsible for sending the other to the Mm -hmm. Phantom Zone and how they used that as kind of a foil for Alex and Kara yeah. Throughout all of season one. So I'm like, maybe, maybe we'll get some more sibling stuff. Because <laughs> that's actually, in terms of kind of just like additional thoughts that are not necessarily related to like the theme that we're looking at, kind of giving me a little bit of pause that we still don't have any very clearly defined sense of where Kara or Alex's story for the season is going. And we're already three episodes in. Mm-hmm. Like Kara, a little bit more because obviously she's very wrapped up in the story with Lena, but like that's story feels like it's about Lena and Kara's just reacting to it. Like, Kara's well, not really a... I mean, as I've mentioned in this episode, I think it's been a little bit different so far this season in that there is some content for Kara in terms of character development. Well, yeah, but character development doesn't necessarily mean she's actually the center of the story, because at the moment, in that particular piece of the story, she isn't. Well, she's sort of the focus of her journalism storyline, but, like, again, it's still not really clear where that is intending to go. Well, for Kara and Lena, I feel like it's more of a shared focus, but not Kara specifically. I feel like if you screen timed that, it would not be well, true. Well, <laughs> Lena's also like villainy, and it's not so much about yeah. her as a character as it is like, I'm moving this plot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, my honestly, my bigger concern is that Alex at the moment is kind of on par with Eve in just kind of existing to move plot points mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to have any purpose yet other than to support other characters in their storylines. Yeah. Which, like, is fine, but as the character that's, like, the second lead of the show, it's a little weird. <laughs> Not quite that <laughs> fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's, it's fine, but is it? it, it is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe, though, like, the issue related to that is it feels a little bit like the show is waiting for the crossover to happen so that it can like get to the rest of its season Hmm. and that i only hesitate with because this is a problem they have every year where like the pacing feels reasonable until you get into like the third act of the season and then it gets lost in a whirlwind of guest stars and closing plot points and like action sequences maybe the fact that things have slowed down in the beginning means the whole thing is just so much slower. <laughs> it was slow at the beginning of last season, it too. It wasn't, like, quite as, like... <laughs> it wasn't quite this Procedurally, slow. yeah. Last stray thought before we kind of close out. We'll see if there's room to do this as a topic later on in the season, but I kind of want to steal a page from Andrea's book here and talk about fashion choices. A, because Nia's star-themed bathrobe <laughs> in this episode was very on-brand. And just generally speaking, they've been doing some interesting things with costuming so far this season and using it to reflect more subtle changes that are going on with different characters. So that's a thing for everybody to kind of keep their eye on. Mm -hmm. 
So that wraps up our episode on boundaries in relation to blurred lines. We will be back next week for another topic episode for season five. If you have any questions or comments for us, feel free to send them to SupergirlsAttic on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. And we'll look forward to hearing all of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening.